Please listen carefully. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chris Puntis of Cross Economy Radio, and today we've got Mike Cashew on the podcast. So, Mike is a two-time CrossFit Games winner as part of Hacks Pack Ute. He's the co-founder and podcast host of Brute Strength, and he's also the marketing director and podcast host of Working Against Gravity with his wife, Adi. If you listen to podcasts uh, and you are and you do CrossFit, chances are you've heard of Brute Strength and also probably Working Against Gravity, which offer uh, nutrition services. Uh, so I've listened to the Brute Strength podcast for a long time, and Mike has been on my bucket list of people to interview because he just seems like a, a really interesting guy. Uh, he asks really interesting questions on his own podcast, so I wanted to get on and just pick his brain about different things. So uh, we talk about uh, how he grew up. He said that he grew up with Harry Potter, so we talk about that. Uh, we talk about his very early uh, addiction to drugs, uh, hard drugs like heroin, yeah, as a 13 to 18 year old and how he got out of that. Uh, we talk about how he got into CrossFit and got to the CrossFit Games, uh, but also how he needed a spine fusion after the CrossFit Games and how he thought he you know, wouldn't be able to do basic everyday tasks, uh, but now is, is pretty much back to 100% and lifting even more uh, than usual. Uh, we talk about mindset a lot. He's, you know, Mike has a psychology background, and so he's very much into uh, things like mindset uh, and how he has changed his mindset over the years. We also talk about vulnerability. So Mike, at one point, went to a, uh, a mastermind and then and met this guy, Mike Bledsoe, uh, also big in the, in the CrossFit sphere, who basically modeled for him what it means to be vulnerable. And so he took that to heart and talks about that process. Uh, we talk a lot about parenting because he and his wife, Adi, have seriously been considering having kids. And, uh, you know, this is not something that I would have asked uh, if I didn't know that they wanted to have kids, but he talks a lot about on his own podcast. And so we get into parenting, parenthood. Uh, he talks about his goals for being a parent uh, and uh, basically growing up and being a uh, what we call an eye-centered person, uh, someone who is focused on himself and having his own time, but now getting into needing and having time for his wife and kids. Um, and then we get into some rapid fire questions at the end, things like what books he recommends most, what's on his bucket list, etc. So hope you enjoy this podcast. If you guys listen to Brute Strength Podcast, then you definitely will know the name. And even if you don't, then I think you're going to find this really interesting. Enjoy. All right. So I don't have any um, any formal intro. I thought we would just kind of dive in. So um, listening to a bunch of your podcasts in the past, you said that um, you grew up with Harry Potter. So do you want to talk about that and why you I, say that? I grew up with Harry Potter. Yeah. I mean, I I remember my she's now like an ex aunt. Like my, my uncle is no longer married to her, but, um, at, I, yeah, I remember around the time the third or fourth book came out, she, her name is Brit. She gave me, um, one of, she gave me like the first book 
And I was so obsessed with it. I, I think I read all three of the first books in like a month, which for me at that age, which I, I think I was like nine or 10, that was mm-hmm. by far the most reading I had ever done. And I just got obsessed with it, man. So I think I was like the same exact age as Harry Potter throughout right. the books, which right. really helped me, uh, you know, grow this obsession. And for my entire life, those are my absolute favorite books. I, I, I still like reread and rewatch some of them every now and then. Um, yeah. yeah, they're incredible. That's awesome. We have a number of Harry Potter fans at the box and, uh, we have a couple that have a Harry Potter tattoo. So nice. I got to bring this up. Which one? The, um, the Deathly Hollows? The, uh, yeah. So the, <laughs> it's the triangle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So you, you know, yep. <laughs> um, so let's say you're at, you're at a party and uh, you meet someone. How do you introduce yourself? Mm. Hey, I'm Michael. And then say, hey, Michael, what do you do? What do I do? Uh, I own a nutrition coaching company that helps people lose weight. And we also train other nutrition coaches. Um, I might, depending on the situation, I might also say, you know, we're really agnostic when it comes to like our philosophy is very nutrition agnostic. We don't believe in a single diet that fits every single person. Uh, we believe that habits and consistency are the most important thing. And what we really specialize in is helping people find a diet that works for them at that stage in their life. We believe that uh, there are lots of different things that could work for lots of different people. We, what we do is just help people find what works for them and then help them actually stick to that plan. Uh, but to your point, like I, I would rarely lead with what I do. Uh, if I, if I was asked, I would probably give an answer like that. Cool. And, uh, as a more formal introduction, you've won the CrossFit games twice uh, with, uh, with the, uh, you, is it team Ute or, uh, yeah, we were called hacks pack hacks, hacks pack, pack right. and we were, it, it's Ute CrossFit in Salt right. Lake city. Okay. okay, cool. And then you helped co-found brute strength, right. uh, which we can talk about. And now you you do that in addition to working with your wife, Adi, on WAG? Correct. My time is 99, 99% of my career is spent at WAG now, and I still support Brood, and I do the podcast as well. Cool. So let's um, maybe, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on the, the competitive stuff because I think there's a lot more interesting stuff to talk about, but maybe talk about your upbringing, um, how you got into CrossFit, the games, how you got into Brute, you know, give me the, give us the, uh, kind of background story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I grew up in Louisiana, super small town, uh, around a lot of my family and I'll just give you the, the really brief version of this, but I struggled with drug addiction as a kid. And so, you know, it started as a social, like a way to fit in with, with my friends and the friends that I was hanging out with were a lot of them were into, into hard drugs. And so over time I developed like a physical dependency, like an actual addiction and it progressed and it progressed and it led to me using needles and, you know, opiates, cocaine, methamphetamine, you name it. I was dabbling in it and my parents chose to send me away when I was 17 years old to, uh, St. George, Utah in the desert, I went to a desert program 
wilderness therapy program. And over the next year and a half, my life completely transformed. I did a ton of therapy group and individual, and my life was just, it just revolved around my recovery. When I got out, I was introduced to CrossFit by a guy in recovery. His name was Bryce. And that guy would later become the, uh, my best friend and the best man at my wedding. And he introduced me to CrossFit. He, I, I had just run a marathon and I was just really burnt out on running and I had no idea what, what to do in my fitness. And he invited me to this, to this gym. He said, I have this cool thing. It's called CrossFit. And I walk in the gym. I'm now 18 and I had just won my age division in the Salt Lake City Marathon. So I just think I'm on top of the world. I'm the man. I'm, I, you know, I'm the fittest person on earth at this point. <laughs> and uh, we were doing fight gone bad that day. The gym was doing fight gone bad. And I remember it was me, Bryce, probably a 55 year old woman and maybe one other guy. And I kept up with everyone for the first round. <laughs> And then I just fell apart and I was like by far last in the class. I was probably last place on the entire board, like last place at the whole gym that day. And it was, it was both so fun yet so humbling for me that I knew I had to, I had to go back and, and keep doing this. And it, I found it at, at the exact right time because it gave me, CrossFit gave me a supportive community of like-minded individuals at a, at a time where I really needed a healthy community. And then it also gave me all of these different goals to work towards. Uh, at the time, I, I, you know, I couldn't do a handstand push-up to save my life. I couldn't even get close to doing a muscle-up. I couldn't snatch or clean and jerk. There's so many things that I couldn't do that I wanted to learn how to do. And so there was, it was just very stimulating for my mind. And it just gave me, it gave me things to focus on at a time in my life when I really needed to keep my mind occupied. Yeah. And just so people didn't miss it, this is, so you got into pretty hard drugs as a teenager. Like I think mm -hmm. I heard on another podcast between 13, ages 13 and 18 is really mm -hmm. when a lot of this stuff was happening. Correct. Right? So then you find CrossFit, you get, and you dive totally into it. And then how did you get to the game essentially? Yeah. So like I said, I was last place that first day and mm -hmm. I was last place most of the days when I first started because I was, you know, I was a opiate junkie and then I went on and ran a marathon right after I got out of rehab. So I was very skinny and I was, mm -hmm. I hadn't lifted weights in years. And so I was starting from, I was really starting from scratch. And so, and I was a very competitive person. So I started, started being last. And so my first goals were just, you know, there, there's this guy that's a little bit better than me in this one class. I just wanted, I just want to keep up with him that day. And okay. then it turned into, I want to beat that guy. And then I would go and beat that guy. And then it would be some, some other person. And over time, I started beating everyone in the gym just by being consistent and being really competitive and, and having for sure some natural athletic ability. Um, and then it turned into, I want to be the best in the gym. And there, so there was this guy named Rob, or at the time he was called Tor, the other Rob, Tor. 
<laughs> so I started saying, I started saying, I want to beat, I want to beat Tor at the gym. And that was like my, I, I fucking woke up in the morning thinking about beating Tor <laughs> in CrossFit workouts. That was my, that was my big goal. And over time I started to beat him every now and then. And then him and I over the next maybe six months, just, we would go back and forth. Uh, he would win one, I would win one, et cetera, et cetera. And then I did a fitness competition called Fitness Elevated in Salt Lake City in 2011, January 2011. <clears throat> and it was something that Tommy Hackenbrook put on. He, he's one of the best, best CrossFit competitors of all time. And at the time, he was uh, a games athlete, uh, one yeah, of the best. OG, yeah. OG, yep, OG. And he put this event on, but he was also competing. And for the first like three or four events, I was, I was winning the, the, uh, the whole competition. And then we start doing the heavy workouts and he ends up, he ends up destroying me. I, I don't even end up making the podium. I got, I think fourth place, but what happened is I think I, I did well enough to kind of catch his attention. And at the end of the competition, he invited me and Tor. Tor got third. He invited me and Tor to join his gym, uh, which is Ute CrossFit. And what we ended up doing that year is we created a team that uh, we went to the games and we got ninth place. And it was, uh, how do I put it? Like we weren't, we, you know, we weren't the best competitors. Like we were all pretty good mm -hmm. at CrossFit, but we were all right. like uh, pretty new into it. And we weren't, we weren't really devoting that much time to competing. Like maybe 90 minutes a day at the time, like for teams, yeah. even that was a lot of time to be devoting right. at, at, at that point in CrossFit games history. And right. then after that, um, Tommy decided that he didn't want to do individual anymore. And we decided to make us what we call the super team. Uh, we decided that we were going to try to recruit some other members and just do everything that we could to get a games to go or get a team to actually go to the games and compete to win. And so we put together a really, really solid team. We started training two, three, four hours a day on most days. And at the time, I think we were the, first team to really train as if every person on the team was, was training as an individual, like a, like a games athlete individually. Right. That amount of volume, that amount of practice. Exactly. Dedication. Yep. Exactly. I think I was the only one, either four or five out of the six were former D one collegiate athletes. I was the, I was for sure the weak link. Uh, I was just an incredibly hard worker and I had a great mindset and I could help really, uh, have help people have fun and, and connect with each other athletically, physically. I was the, I was the, the weakest on the team in my opinion. Um, so anyway, we ended up doing really well. We, we would go on to win the next two years and I think we might, some, pe some, some people might have surpassed us, but I think for a while we were the most dominant team. We may have, we may still be the most dominant team, uh, in history in terms of like how much we beat people by, which is a cool, mm -hmm. pretty cool metric. Yep. Yep. Especially given how competitive it's gotten. Right. Yes. So you, you competed the games. Now, when did brute strength start in that timeline? Was that after you guys won both times? Yes. So 
in 2013, I found out, like I started, I couldn't feel below my knees, uh, when I would wake up in the morning, it, it I, I'm kind of skipping ahead, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, my back, my back started hurting a ton and I started to have these neurological symptoms where I couldn't feel below my knees. And so that was really scary. I go to the doctor and they tell me that this genetic condition that I had had really progressed. It's called spondylolisthesis or spondy. It had really progressed pretty quickly and I would probably need surgery and I would not be able to compete in CrossFit anymore. So I fit, I ended up finishing that CrossFit season uh, in 2013, we won again. And then after that, I decided that I was going to retire. That's when I fully dove into my coaching career as a strength and conditioning coach. I had just finished up my first year coaching at Southern Utah, but then after I knew I was done, I moved back to Louisiana Mm -hmm. and I started coaching at LSU, which is for in the strength and conditioning world. That's like, one of the meccas like that's one of the most well-respected programs in the world and i got a chance to work with those guys and in between so the way it works when you're working with collegiate athletes is they'll come in groups and so i would wake up at 4 30 a.m and we would have our i would show up at the at the weight room at five we'd have our first group of football players maybe 20 to 40 players at 5 30 a.m and that would go for an hour. And our second one was maybe at 7.30. So 5.30 to 6.30, I'm coaching. 6.30 to 7.30, I would go in this little like office they have for us. And I would program for people remotely. And I was creating CrossFit programs for people that wanted to go to regionals, go to the games, people that reached out to me because I had been there before. And at the time, it was just me and my business partner, Matt Bruce, where I would create pretty much the whole thing except for the weightlifting. Uh, and I would say, put the weightlifting right there. And from there, actually I'll, I'll, I'll skip ahead a little bit. Um, so I, I was doing this in between the, the football players coming in right. after nine months, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, I was done with strength and conditioning and I thought I wanted to run a CrossFit gym. So I moved back to Salt Lake city to buy a gym from Tommy. And when I did that, he said, Hey, I know you have this, this, uh, online programming that you're doing. Why don't we leverage the Ute name, the hacks pack name and make it a little bit bigger. And so at the time, man, honestly, I thought online programming was, was silly. I thought it was stupid. I didn't think anyone would pay for it. I didn't think it was that valuable. All the only reason I kept doing it is because I felt like I owed my my friend Matt a favor because he's the one that got me the job at LSU in the first place. And really, I just didn't want to. That's why I started doing the programming with him in the first place. And I just didn't want to let him down. I continued doing it because I didn't want to let him down. So I go move back to Salt Lake City. We rebrand and we call it Brute Strength. Um, Matt Bruce plus Ute equals Brute, right? Yep. He's got to have his name in it. And (laughs) over the next six months, I kind of flip flop my interest from, uh, you know, I I went I went into it thinking I was going to love running a gym and hate doing online programming. And over the next six months, I saw that the online world, it allowed me to make a bigger impact. It gave me more freedom of time and place. And 
I could just do really anything I wanted with it. Right. And so, and, and with the gym, I, I realized that, you know, I've got to make rent rent over there was like $8,000 a month or something like that. Like super high rent. Um, so you were running the gym. You were doing what you thought you wanted to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, interesting. And yeah. The, okay. the, the deal was Tommy gave me six months to decide if I wanted to, to buy it. And at the end of the six months, I said, you know, the risk over here is much, much higher. It takes a shitload of my energy and I just don't feel like I have the, the passion or the skill to really make this business thrive. But there's this online thing that's starting to really take off and mm -hmm. I really see a, a future in it. And so January of 2014 is when I went full time into brute strength. Wow. Now you left a, a, a extremely prestigious strength and conditioning program at LSU for this this thing that you didn't even know how it was going to turn out. Mm -hmm. So was that in line with your personality of, of taking a leap of, you know, uh, I, you've used the phrase on another podcast, destroy everything in your life that isn't excellent. Mm -hmm. So is that in line with how you've always been or was that something new for you? That's a great, that's a really great question. No one's ever asked me that. I don't know if it's, how I've always been, but it's certainly how I've operated since rehab. I think one of the things that I think, yeah, one of the, one of the biggest things that's made me successful is that I continue, like I'm always checking in with, with something like this, like the way that I'm acting and behaving right now, does that align with my values? And a lot of times that changes, like when I first started at the gym or when I first started in strength and conditioning, it felt like it completely aligned with my values. It was exciting. It was fun. I got to work with athletes and over time I kept checking in with it. I kept checking in with it and I got to a point where it just really didn't feel like I didn't, I didn't feel like I had a sense of purpose doing it. Right. Mm. But on the other hand, so many people around me told me, man, you're at the, the, you're in the Mecca, you're at the best job in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. if you keep at this, you could be like Tommy Moffat making 300 grand a year. So all of these people tell you know, telling me that it's, I'm in the best position. I think what's made me successful is <clears throat> taking in people's feedback, but then ultimately going with what I know to be true for myself. And I knew that I wasn't happy and that I didn't see a future for me in that line of work. And right. so, yes, I took a really, really big risk. Um, and I, you know, I jumped ship and it was absolutely the best decision I could have made. Yeah. So, I mean, authenticity is a word that gets thrown out <laughs> around a lot, but I mean, you were doing that. It just, you might not have labeled it as such. Um, Correct. yes. Talk about your mindset shift. So it seems like rehab was this turning point of having a different mindset and outlook on life. Did you, I mean, was, was the book mindset a factor in that was, you know, is this something that you just kind of work through over time over rehab or was there a, an actual turning point? I feel like mindset is so huge in most people's lives that they don't even think about how their outlook is. Right. Right. Yeah, I didn't find the book 
mindset by Carol Dweck until many years later. Although that is one of my favorite books. It's one of my most gifted books. Um, this, that's a really big question and I don't have like a really specific answer there. Like really what, what's happened for me over the last 11 years since I left is that I've had some really big breakthroughs in my mindset. I think the first, the first and, and possibly most important shift in mindset that I've had is the, is the, is, is something like vulnerability is not only okay, but it's one of the, uh, it's one of the things that I value most in life. So I grew up thinking that vulnerability meant weakness and that as a man, especially you should not express, you know, weak emotions. You should not express fear, sadness, certainly not shame or embarrassment. <clears throat> and what I've learned is that a vulnerable person is a courageous person. So I've started to look at, uh, you know, someone that is vulnerable or authentic as kind of a, the modern day warrior, kind of the, it, it's the type of person that can just literally be themselves in every area of life, no matter who's around. And that takes courage. And it's also what builds trust in relationships. It's also what, what helps us really go after what we want in life. Um, it's, it's, it's really just the foundation of so much about what I value in life. And so that was a big one. <clears throat> and the way that I learned that is first through seeing other people in group therapy, like my peers go before me and, and do that before me and have the realization of when people express vulnerable emotions, I don't think any less of them. I actually think more of them. I want to be more like them. I want to spend more time with them. I admire them. And if I have that feeling about them, they must have that feeling about me as well. And that's when I, I really started to open up and kind of tiptoe myself into vulnerability, if you will. That was a, that was a really, really huge realization for me. Another huge one is, uh, I met this guy named Mike Bledsoe. You might know him. He is yeah, the former, former CEO of Barbell Shrugged. I went to his first ever mastermind and he was the first person that I, that I saw really on the path of self actualization or self realization. And what I, what I like my definition of that is he seemed to be someone that thought that it was possible to really pursue excellence and growth in every single area of life. All growing up, I, I don't know. I never, I never even thought to question assumptions in relationships or some, just some different areas of life. I think all of us in life or most people in life have these different areas that they feel like that, like I'm just the way that I'm going to be right. Like in, in, in their intimate relationship, they think they are in a fixed state They're They're not going to change. It is just the way it is. Right. Um, or, or maybe in their career, they might just feel like, you know, I've got a job. It right. is what it is. It's a job. I hate it, but it is what it is like that. You know, yeah, they, they're, on they the might have seen, they're on the hamster yep. wheel. They might've seen their father or mother 
you know, stick with a job that they hated for 50 years, but they stuck with it and they got retirement and that's, that's just how it is. Right. And I grew up thinking a lot of those things and having those types of assumptions and rehab started to really crack me open. And it started to show me that I could grow in some areas, but Mike, I, I saw the way that he behaved and it wasn't like, I definitely learned a lot about business from Mike, but it was the way that he carried himself in between the lectures and the, and the things like that. He was just, he was just so fired up about growing in every area of life. And he was the first person that I ever saw behave that way. Now I'm surrounded by a community of people uh, that are all like that, but he was the first one that was, was really that way. And so that was a really big realization that any place that we want to grow or change in our minds are plastic, right? There, there's this, there was this discovery, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago of this thing called neuroplasticity that shows that the human brain is malleable. And even if we are, even though we are adults, we can grow and change just about anything about ourselves. Uh, our personalities are not fixed. They might remain similar, but we can grow in areas that we want if we just have it in, intention and attention on those things. Yeah. Well, and environment matters so much. This, I mean, this is related possibly to your drug rehab, but for everything, I mean, they did, uh, they looked at, uh, guys coming back from Vietnam and who were, you know, uh, basically drug addicts over there, they come back and they were expecting them to be addicted when they came back. But because they were going back to an environment, a family, uh, a town that it was just not the norm. Right. Right. There was something like a 95%, um, essentially a recovery rate where they didn't touch drugs again. And it was all because of the environment. Right. Whereas you got a lot of people who might go into rehab for a short period of relatively short period of time, then they go back and live at the same house that they grew up in the same house. And the, they know the same people hanging out with the same people um, that got them access to these drugs and they relapse. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what, what have you done um, in, over time to associate yourself with the people you want to associate with? Right. So how do you, what have you done to put yourself in situations to surround yourself? You know, the whole thing of you're the average of the five people you hang out with. Um, have you actively pursued that in saying, these are the people I don't want to hang out with. These are the people that I do and I'm whatever I can do to reach out to them, to talk with them, to get mentored. I know, I know you, you really love coaching, right? Like you have coaches for everything or mentors for everything. Mm -hmm. um, maybe talk about that a little bit. Uh, yes to all of that. I'm incredibly intentional about who I spend my time with. And I don't know, I, I, I don't know if I have an exact process. So let me think about, let me think about the way that I'm doing it. I think first off, I'm, I, I, I guess I write about the type, I guess I spend a lot of time thinking about what matters to me first off. And some of the things that matter to me most are that I am an ethical person, right? I want to spend time with people that at their core, when no one's around, when they're going through adversity, they are a good human being. That is one of the absolute most important things to me. Um, I care about being around people that are 
that are passionate, that are like really going after what they want in life. I, I'm, I, I want to have as much fun in life. I want to play. And so, you know, I, I just spend a lot of time talking about writing about thinking about all of these things. Uh, I really do on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And so that's all that stuff is always going on in my mind. And because of that, when I'm thinking about making friends or, or building friendships or maintaining relationships, those things are kind of top of mind. And then your question about how I think you said like pursue or, or are you proactive about, about it or something like that? And yes, I'm extremely proactive. I tend to, and it's like making relationships for me is sometimes harder because a lot of the people that I'm around are entrepreneurs and they're, and they're remote, like, uh, they own online businesses. And so they're traveling all over the place all the time. And it's really hard to, to make plans with these people. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I am the pursuer, right? Like I'm the, I'm the one initiating over and over and over and over. And in the past, I would get insecure about that thinking, you know, oh, they've got to meet me halfway. And they certainly do in terms of vulnerability. Like, like if I'm going to be sharing, uh, if I'm going to be sharing, then you have to share back. If, if we're going to have a relationship, like one thing I don't compromise on is, is depth. Like if you're not willing to have a deep conversation with me, we're probably not going to be friends. Um, I just don't, you know, it's not, it's not really interesting for me otherwise, mm-hmm. but in terms of just getting together and having repetitions and, and being around each other, I've really dropped my ego almost entirely. Like I, I will reach out 10 times to year one if I really want to create a relationship with you. And over time, once you start spending more time with people, um, you know, you, you have more opportunities to have a vulnerable conversation. You start to form more connection and then they start reaching out to you as well. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's a little bit about how I approach it. For sure. Well, do you feel like part of that has to be somewhat selfish because, you know, I know for me, I'm going, if I need to, if I want to learn something, I'm going to go find a book on that. Right. And, and read about it or, Google, right. I Google's my friend cause I Google everything. Right. So in some ways I feel like, or even the fact that like I had asked you to do this podcast, right. It was a selfish, somewhat selfish reason yep. that I hope can provide value for others. But you know, there's a piece of it that that's selfish. Cause honestly, I want to grow too. Sure. Right. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's like a prerequisite in order to actually kind of filter out who you want to be associated with or not. But um, I don't know. It just seems like that pursuit of growth inherently kind of needs to be selfish. Yeah, I would. Ag- well, I would agree, but it's not selfish in a bad way. It's selfish in a good way. It's selfish in the sense of like, if you're taking care of yourself and really giving yourself everything you need, you're just going to overflow. Like it's going to be more likely that you're just overflowing with gratitude and, um, a desire to serve other people. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that's one way to look at it. Another, another, I don't know, this might be a, a little bit of a tangent, but, uh, I'm always, I'm definitely always thinking about 
what I can get out of a relationship with, with someone. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not like, I'm also looking for like, how can I help people? Right. So I don't want right. to, I don't want this to seem like I'm just some self-centered asshole, but I think I'm honest. I, and I think all right. of us are always thinking, what can I get from someone? And, but I don't always think that I have to get, um, some kind of like knowledge out of people. Sometimes what I want out of people is like some people in my life, they are just fun to be around. Some people in my life are like a really, really safe person for me to be myself with, right? Some people are, they challenge me intellectually. Some people teach me about business. Some people teach me about relationships. I think, I think like I value books and seminars and courses so, so, so much, but I think you learn from the way that other people behave and their actions so much faster than you will reading or listening to anything just because of the way that the human mind works. I think we, we see a model for something and we learn all of those things almost automatically, right? We can, we, sometimes we can't even articulate what we're learning and we learn at such a more rapid rate than if we're reading those things separately. You know what I mean? Yeah. We absorb it so much more. And well, there are so many directions I want to go with this. Um, so the first thought when you say that is like how babies learn, they just learn by seeing, right. Mm -hmm. and, imi and imitating. Um, and I have two kids and I know on your podcast, you say that you and a D are, you know, seriously thinking about having kids. And so you want to, you're talking, you had a whole podcast just on parenting with one of your buddies. Right. Um, so and normally I would never ask this question, but because you bring it up, um, where, where are your thoughts on parenthood? Like where, what are your concerns for yourself? Um, cause I have some buddies that are petrified about it. Mm -hmm. Right. I have others that, you know, have plenty, have three kids and they're loving it and they don't think it's, it's exactly what they want and everything in between. So yeah, just, I mean, just out of curiosity, like, where are you in terms of how forward you're looking to having kids and how you're going to be with it and how you're going to raise them and everything? <laughs> That's a huge question. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> so I don't know if I have any concerns necessarily, um, because I think I've worked through a lot of them and, and, and accepted them. So one of the biggest challenges for me, I feel like is going to be, giving up personal freedom, but I also recognize that as a challenge to, or an opportunity, like that's one of my biggest opportunities for growth. If I can, like what the, 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 the phase of life that I'm in right now is, is leaning more into being more collaborative and working as a team. Like I've spent many, many years working on mastering myself and, and mastering, uh, the way that I manage my own tasks and projects and et cetera, et cetera. This phase of life that I'm in for the, you know, for the past year, two, three has been leaning into collaboration, being a parent and a husband are like, that on steroids. Like that's the, that's the ultimate way for me to level up in that area. So I know it's going to come with moments of, um, discomfort and 
you know, I, I, I might even suffer over it depending on how like the stories that I create about it for myself. But I also know for sure it's a huge opportunity. Um, I think it's going to, well, I recognize that it's going to be challenging to my relationship with a D it's going to be, it's going to bring up all of the little things that are obstacles or, or challenges in my relationship with a D are also going to be challenges with my kids and it's going to highlight them and it's going to excite them. But I, I'm actually like, I, I guess I'm sure I'm afraid of, of the discomfort that comes with them, but I'm just the type of person at this point in my life where I really look forward to having that light shown on those things. Cause it's just an opportunity for growth, right? Um, it's going to be uncomfortable, but I get to grow and like level up as a human being. So I'm really looking forward to all of that. As far as the type of, of parent I want to be, a D and I asked each other this uh, really recently, and I think I came up with four or five things. W number one is I want to be present. I want, I just, I, I, I want to be physically present with my kids as much as humanly possible. And I want to be like in my mind, I want to be present with them. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be wishing I was somewhere else. I want to be 100% with them in that room, just, just living with them. Uh, number two is I want to be passionate. Uh, in every area of my life that matters, I am passionate and engaged. Um, and, and what that looks like is, you know, I'm reading books, I'm, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm always trying to be the best that I can be. And as a parent, I want to be that way. Uh, number three is I want to be fun. I want to be just looking for ways to, to giggle with them, to make them laugh and just to have fun. Because when I look back on my childhood, my parent, well, mostly my dad, my, my mom, she supported fun, but she's not like in her, she's not fun in her own right. She's, <laughs> she's a little more serious, but my dad was always joking with us and playing with us. And so I want to be that way. Um, I want to be patient. That's another one that's, that's going to be like, that's a huge area of growth for me because I can be kind of rigid at times. So I want to be patient. I know that as a, as a, you know, like working with kids, teaching kids, um, <clears throat> they're not going to get something the first time or the thousandth time. Uh, I'm going to need to tell them things over and over and over and they are going to sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally frustrate me and get on my nerves and they're going to wake me up when I don't want to be woken up and all of these little things. <laughs> and I just want to practice patience and be as loving with them as possible. So I think if I can be all of those things, I'm going to be an awesome parent. It's that easy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you have mentioned in the past having a relationship coach that talks about the I-centered versus we-centered, and you're the I-centered person in the in the relationship, uh, and I I am also, and so the your crystal ball is is spot on in at least from what I've experienced mm -hmm. in the sense of being the I-centered person and wanting my own space and wanting just time, even though I'm an extrovert. And so I get energy from other people. I also need time to just be with myself and just do whatever. Um, right. And having kids 
absolutely eats into that alone time and that that kind of quiet even though quiet not in a, an audible sense like music might be playing or whatever but oh. quiet in the sense of like you don't have other stuff going right, on right yeah. so like i know that's coming are there right. any ways that i can make it like a softer landing for myself oh man you know i'm in a, a situation where i opened the business um the year my son was well i was going to open the the box uh the year my son was born and it ended up getting delayed because of construction but the decision to actually open the business start the business happened right as he was being born and um it was just one of those things that i was in education for a long time or for a while and realizing that i wanted out and to do my own thing and and to be off that you know true to myself and what i was passionate about was to run across the gym because i was coaching for years that's awesome man and and so part of it was kind of built in because i you know i have over the last two and a half years made the business uh, a big priority um and at times i know that it's it's been tough for for all of us for me my wife um and now we have two kids for me to be here and not be home for let's say dinner so i think i think one of the things that you might want to think about is just what are some what are some boundaries that you can set mm. um either boundaries to be within or boundaries to be out so in other words yeah. one of one of the goals I haven't perfected it yet because um, we've had some staff changes and whatnot. But one of the things that I really realized for myself that I love doing was to just be around for dinner slash bedtime. Yeah. That if I could do that, even though I might be up early and out the door at 4.30, uh, if I can get home for dinner time and bedtime, um, that to me felt like I was, I was, I was being, you know, true to, to being a dad. Um, it's definitely not every night. Um, I, I, I hope to get it to that point. Um, but that's one of the things that you just want to think about and kind of set priorities for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not something I realized going into it though. You know, it was something that I, I realized as time was going on, like, right. Oh yeah. Like I really, I like to be home around this time. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Just like right up front as, as, and, and, and another thing that, is challenging is that the the routines are constantly changing with them i know i there's know that's no coming yeah i know, routine that, I know great, that's but coming. there's no routine right yes. so just setting setting the boundaries i think is just phenomenal advice so that if if life gets in the way as it always does i have that to kind of keep me in check yeah the other thing too for a lot of people i think they might go into it with very specific expectations right and they have this dream and it goes for anything, right? People have this dream of how life should be, mm. but oftentimes the reality is never the case. And right. so I think just knowing that and being okay with doing the best you can in that moment, right? I mean, you guys are running major businesses. You're very busy. You're traveling. Um, stuff happens, right? Like mm. you just, you got to do the best you can. Um, yeah, that's good advice too. It's a good reminder. A mentor of mine, um, actually told me he recommended, I, I try as I try to try not to expect anything at all because there, there, there there's no way that it's, it's almost like, uh, 
a caterpillar trying to imagine what it's going to be to be a butterfly. Like you just have no idea. It's just so different than anything you can imagine to even start creating expectations is could, could really kind of hinder you. So I'm trying, like it's a, what you just said is like a reminder for me to anytime I start trying to make a bunch of plans about how it's going to be, just kind of let go of that for now. Let it go. Yeah. Our first was born six weeks early. (laughs) not wow. something that we expected. We didn't have a bag packed. We didn't, we didn't have anything ready. Right. right. Um, but you know what? We made it work. Like yeah. we just dealt with each day as it goes. So, That's awesome, man. Um, we only, man, I have so many <laughs> questions for you. Um, I, I want to do, actually I want to do a rapid fire just because I feel like we're going to, we're going to end it soon. And I'd rather kind of get through these rather than dive into something deep that I'm going to have more questions on. Um, so let's do some rapid fire questions. Perfect, man. All right. So um, what's something that you wish you could be instantly world class in? So if you just blinked your eyes, what do you wish you could be the best at? Helping people, helping to excavate what is what the next level of development looks like for a human being in every area of their life and then communicating to them that vision that I see for them and then the ability to work on like, how do you get there? I feel like you probably work with that a lot with working against gravity, right? Even though technically you might label people might label you as a nutrition company. For sure. People for sure. Have to be coming to you with all sorts of deep stuff that isn't even related to nutrition, but it masks itself in the nutrition stuff. Right. Exactly. Yes. What people think they want is nutrition coaching. And what they, I think what they need a lot of times is, uh, kind of like life coaching, you know, we work with behaviors and mindsets and things like that. Cool. Uh, this is not part of the rapid fire, but what was your undergrad in? Was it psychology? It was psychology. All right. So that was my, yeah. So I have a counseling degree and, uh, nice. I think part of why I like listening to you is because you ask the same questions that I would ask right? Uh, in terms of di- di- diving deep, psychology-related things, sociology. So. Love it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what, well, you kind of said mindset already, but what books would you recommend most people read? Uh, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Mindset by Carol Dweck is great. For Relationships, uh, the, the Way of the Superior Man is great for men and women. Another, another great relationship one is conscious loving. It's about the difference between a co-committed and codependent relationship. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a handful of them. Those are, those are some of my most gifted. Awesome. What's something that you tried really hard to like, but just couldn't get into? Hmm. Playing the guitar. (laughs) I've played the guitar for. 15 years and if you if you add up all of the time on and off it's like 14 years off and i've just continued to like start and stop and start and stop because i think it's like a cool thing to do but i just never really got that into it cool yeah yeah i tried once didn't work Not, not that much, not, not much time as you though. Um, what are, or what's on your bucket list? 
So we didn't even get to talk about, I think you were just in Europe for like eight weeks, mm-hmm. right? Um, maybe give like a super quick overview of, of like your experiences there, but then also if there's anything else on your bucket list. Oh, shit. Uh, D and I went to Barcelona for a month and Amsterdam for three weeks. And then we went to a few a few other places for like a couple of days each. Mm-hmm. And we just wanted the experience of like living in other cultures. And so that's why we stayed so long in those places without traveling anywhere else. And it was really, it was life-changing for us. Uh, it inspired us to move closer to the city of Austin so that we could walk and bike everywhere. Um, it also inspired us to work uh, less, uh, fewer hours. And we realized that we could get more done in less time as long as we can sh- control distractions. So when I work now, I don't like there's, and I've, I've been trying to be disciplined with this for years, but this was re- this really cemented this. I I'm not checking my phone or email or Slack at all. I'm just heads down working on my to do's and that, that trip really helped solidify those things. Um, other things on my bucket list, uh, New Zealand, I want to go to New Zealand for an extended period of time. Um, I want to spend a month in a monastery. I want to spend a month training jujitsu every day, probably in Brazil. Um, I want to base jump that one, Mm -hmm. that one. I don't know if that'll happen because it takes a lot of training to, to you need a lot, a number of jumps under your belt, right? Before you do that. Exactly. And I don't know. Once we have kids, I don't, I, I, a D there's just about nothing that she even argues with me about in terms of like allowing me to do what I want. But base jumping is one that really, really scares her. (laughs) And so she's, she may not allow me to do it and I might not, you know, I'm not going to, if she really doesn't want me to do it, I don't think I'll, I'll end up following through, but those are some, um, yeah. Cool. I like it. What are you currently geeking out on? Two things. One, well, yeah, the biggest is marketing. I am, yeah, I'm just constantly listening to marketing podcasts. I'm reading blogs and it feels really good because when I first started Brute, I was obsessed with marketing and Mm -hmm. then I got, I got into other things related to business. And in the past year I've taken over as the director of marketing at WAG. And so I'm really starting to lean back into it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm relearning a lot of the fundamentals. Uh, I'm also starting to explore some of the cutting edge methods and, you know, just like, uh, if you've, if you've reread a good book, you, you learn other things the second, third, fourth time around as I'm going through these fundamentals of marketing again, I am, I'm just having so many new insights and, and, dozens of ideas every time I listen to a new podcast or, or read a blog article or, or, or whatever. Uh, and it just feels really, really good. I, I love marketing. Um, and I love the insight that marketing and selling is not an evil or selfish thing. It's actually just, um, you know, if you have a product or service that you really, really believe can change people's lives, then you, it is your duty to get that into the right people's hands. And at WAG, I think we have, we, we really, really change people's lives. And I know that because they tell us that. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's my duty to figure out how to find more people that need it and show them the value in what we have to offer. So I'm looking out that's over. actually, yeah, that's a, well, so marketing was one. Was there another parenting? So I just started yeah, my first okay. parenting book and then my friend, John Berardi, I, I emailed him yesterday and he sent me like 10 different books and articles. <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm pumped to get into it. Do you, uh, I'm guessing, you know, Pat Barber. Yes. He's one of my really good friends. Yeah. So his uh, podcast tribe life, mm-hmm. um, and I like to, he likes to interview parents. Um, yeah. So that's actually a great segue. So talk about, um, where people can find you, what you got going on, what you're mm-hmm. offering. I know WAG just, well, relatively recently released, um, nutrition or coaching coaches. Right. Um, so if you want to talk about any of that, you're more than happy to. Cool. Yeah. I'm not very active on any social media, so I don't, I don't necessarily recommend you follow me there. Um, but I am super active on in the podcasting world. So you can listen to a DNI have 20 to 30 minute conversations on the WAG podcast. We talk about personal development, nutrition, um, mindset, relationships, and business occasionally. And each one of those are on a single topic and they have actionable items at the end of each. It's called the WAG Podcast, and then you can listen to me interview some of the top experts in health and fitness on the Brute Strength Show. Um, I've interviewed people like David Goggins, former Navy SEAL, John Berardi, the the owner of one of the top nutrition coaching companies in the world, Precision Nutrition, um, some, some behemoths of individuals on that show. So that's called the Brute Strength Show, Brute Strength Podcast, and then you can look you can find out more about nutrition coaching and becoming a nutrition coach yourself at workingagainstgravity.com. Cool. Is there anything else you want to add? No, man. I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to talk, dude. It was a pleasure Great. to meet you. And, and hopefully, guys, you got something valuable out of, out of the rants here today. I love it. All right, stay on the line, uh, but we'll close this out. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Michael Cashew. I didn't get to say your last name in the beginning. I was practicing it. Um, guys, go look him up. Look up WAG. Look up um, Brute Strength, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, folks. Thanks again for listening to Cross Econa Radio. If you like what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review, which helps us get found on the interwebs. Also, head over to social media, find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossFit Kana, K-A-N-N-A. And if you have any questions for the podcast, email us at info at CrossFitKana.com. Thanks and have a great day.